Mm-hmm. Are you on EMS? Mm-hmm. Can you please dispatch a unit out to my uh, location? Send me a reference uh, to my wife. Um, I left the location. I'm, I'm back and around on Carver Road now. I'll be back there in about two minutes. Uh, she's having suicidal thoughts. My kids are at home with her, so I'm trying to hurry up and get back there. I'm driving. She just said that she's been experiencing suicidal thoughts right now. She told me to take care of the boys. So I'm trying to hurry up and get back home just to make sure that nothing's going to happen to them. Any weapons inside the house? Um, just my service weapon. Service weapon. Jessica Lester and Matthew Boynton had a typical Southern Georgia upbringing. They were high school sweethearts who just a year after dating found out they were pregnant. The two took this matter very seriously and although still very young, moved into an apartment together. Matthew became an officer with Griffin Police Department. Jessica quickly settled into her new life as a mom and within a year the family had grown from a family of three to four with the birth of a second son. Matthew and Jessica got married after their second son's birth but no one knew what Jessica was struggling with at this time. And the honeymoon phase quickly came to an end, when both Jessica and Matthew had uncovered each other's secret affairs. Then suddenly and unexpectedly, Jessica does the unthinkable. Or does she? I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. So let's start this off with Matthew's story, shall we? Jessica and Matthew grew up in the same small town of Griffin, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. There, Matthew was a very popular kid, as he was a star on the football team. This sounds familiar, huh? Jessica was a bit less popular, but still a beautiful, vibrant girl who caught Matthew's eye very quickly. The two started dating when they were 15 and 16 years old, and after just a year, Jessica was pregnant with her first son. When she told her grandparents, who raised her because she was abandoned by her parents, they offered to help Jessica with raising the child so she could stay in school. However, Jessica and Matthew thought they were ready and able to tackle raising a family head-on. The two got an apartment and moved in together. After finishing high school in 2015, Matthew quickly joined the Griffin Police Department, where the police sheriff, Wendell Beam, is his grandfather. The young couple started feeling the strains of adult life almost instantly. They are off and on, arguing, fighting. It even goes as far as Matthew calling his brothers in blue for help with domestic violence when they are arguing and Jessica, quote, becomes physical. Jessica even revealed to Matthew that their second son was not his. While the two had been separated, Jessica had an affair with a mechanic. Despite all the fighting and arguing, the two decide to get married after the birth of their second son. Matthew said he would raise the baby as his own, and so the two started anew. And again, within six months of their wedding, the two were having problems again. Shocker. Matthew had started being very controlling and not allowing Jessica to leave the house when she was not there. Jessica had started keeping a red composition book 
recording all of Matthew's actions and was planning on leaving Matthew and using this evidence of his affair to gain custody of the boys. Now this book she had only shown to a neighbor and was always kept hidden in her closet. Okay, so then on the evening of April 14th, 2016, when Jessica was only 19, Matthew was 20, she started to assault Matthew. This was between 10.53 p.m. and 11 p.m. According to a police statement taken by an officer not wearing his body cam uh, because of a dead battery, he said, Matthew had been in the shower on his phone when Jessica came into the bathroom. She yanked open the shower curtain and grabbed Matthew's phone and would not give it back, although Matthew asked politely. Then she began to poke him in the chest and yell at him. She kept screaming at him to admit he was cheating on her, and he eventually did. Now Matthew, being a victim of domestic assault, texted his buddy, and a car was sent out to their residence. He texted for 911 help. The officer takes Matthew's statement and files it, but does not check on Jessica at this time. In fact, Matthew had told police he had left Walmart alone without Jessica because she refused to get into the car with him and said that she would find another way home. The Little Boynton family did take a late night trip to Walmart in which video surveillance was recorded. But what's funny though, is that it showed the four walking into the store together, and then 30 minutes later, Jessica stormed out. This is when Matthew texted an officer and told him Jessica was refusing to leave with him. However, shortly after, the cameras picked up the Boyntons leaving together in Matthew's black pickup. All of them. Now, according to Matthew, the rest of the night went like this. After the couple arrived home, the two quickly began fighting again, which was nothing abnormal at the time, as it seemed as that's all they were doing. Matthew claims he, was, he had then got ready to leave and meet another officer at the local Waffle House for a late dinner. He told police when he was going out the door, Jessica stopped him and asked him to call an ambulance. When Matthew questioned why she needed emergency services, Jessica just said, never mind, and slammed the door in his face. So Matthew left to meet up with his buddy. Shortly after arriving at the Waffle House, which was just minutes from their apartment, Matthew received this text. Quote, I can't do this anymore. Take care of Talon and Tyler, please. Tell them I love them every day. I have been suffering for a while now, and no one has noticed. Here lately, I have not been able to recognize the person I see in the mirror. This is not the first time I have had suicide thoughts. I love you and the boys. Matthew had just pulled into the parking lot at Waffle House, where he was set to meet his buddy and a fellow officer. He rings Jessica. No answer. He sends a text. Then calls 911 and proceeds to ask for EMS to be sent to his address as he is on the way there and fears his wife and kids are in danger. The dispatcher, the dispatcher asks, Are there any weapons in the house? Just my service weapon, Matthew responds. You guys heard the actual audio at the beginning of this episode. So Matthew speeds into the parking lot, throws his truck in park, just outside the apartment stairs, and rushes towards his front door. He can hear the baby inside screaming and crying. 
He runs inside and checks the master bedroom, yelling for Jessica and noticing the closet door is locked, but not seeing her. He grabs his police radio, which was on top of the microwave charging. He runs back outside the apartment and radios, saying, quote, I believe I just heard a shot fired coming from my residence. I just came up the stairs. Two rounds. Be advised. I smell gun smoke, and I can't get an answer at the door, he says panicked. Matthew is instructed to stay outside the residence until help arrives. Within two minutes, three officers are on the scene. The first being Officer Trammell, who had taken Matthew's statement earlier that evening when he responded to the house on that domestic violence call. He is already inside the apartment when the second and third officer arrive. He is still without his body cam and enters the apartment with his gun still holstered. The other arriving officers rush inside, guns drawn and guards up. They find the Boynton's oldest boy, Tyler, sleeping in his bed. And Tallinn, though upset, safe in his crib. Then they head to that locked closet door in the master bedroom. One officer is forced to kick it in after repeated unanswered knocks. Inside, they find Jessica laying on the closet floor with her bloody head on a pillow. When they lift her to move her into the bedroom, underneath her, they find Jason's service weapon, which was a police-issued 40 caliber Glock. Within an hour, Sheriff Beam has an officer out at the home of Jessica's grandparents to let them know their daughter had passed from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Within an hour, they were already notifying the grandparents. By September of 2016, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation who had been called by GPD to assist in the case, released their letter on a closed case, and here's what it said. Quote, The Georgia Bureau of Investigation has completed its investigation into the death of Jessica Lester Boynton. It is the finding of this agency that the death is a suicide. The GBI will take no further action in this matter. End quote. And just like that, this case was closed except they forgot one small detail. Jessica was not dead, and to this day is very much alive. That's right, Jessica was alive when she was found inside the lock closet, and she was removed from the apartment and flown to a hospital in Atlanta, where she remained in a medically induced coma for three weeks while she recovered from severe brain damage and miraculously made a full recovery at that. What's more is the surgeon in Atlanta said she did not appear to have been shot, but instead the injury was more consistent with blunt force trauma. That's right, it appeared that Jessica not only was still alive, but had also not been shot, which was also consistent with the crime scene. It was looking like Matthew had not quite told the whole truth. So what I want to do for you guys right now is I want to play some audio from a body cam um, from one of the police officers who was first on the scene when they found Jessica in the closet. I want you to listen very closely to the subtleties and the things that they say. The officers are, a lot of times they're, they're whispering to each other. I mean, obviously this is a very high, tense, or high tension situation. They don't know what's going on. Some of them don't know what's, what's going on. Um, but just listen very close to the dialogue and the, the things that they say about Jessica. Jessica. 
And knowing what you know already, I think it'll come as quite a shock. So, here it is. Hey, who won't call CID? Still breathing. Okay. Hey, hey, man. Get him downstairs. Get him downstairs. 
So as you could tell, they're not dealing with a dead body here. They're dealing with someone who they're still alive, who is still alive and actually moving. In the body cam footage, once they get her out, that the tail end of the video, they had they got her out of the closet, and they have her laying in the floor in the master bedroom. And Jessica is actually moving her arms. She's actually moving her arms around and uh, slightly moving her head, um, but still very much out of it. I would say. Um, and when you hear the officer saying, I can't tell, I can't tell, I'm sure you heard that throughout the thing a few times. What they're trying to find is they're trying to find the gunshot wound. They're trying to find the point of entry and or the point of exit for the bullet. And they're having some difficulty, as you can imagine. Now, this is the part of the episode where I beg of you not to look this case up yet. Let me be the one to bring uh, part two to you, please, okay? If you guys can just hang on for one more week. Or if you're patrons, if you want to join Patreon, then you can hear it on Thursday. But if you guys can hang on for one more week, I'm very excited about this part two, this conclusion. We got a lot to break down in this case. And also, of course, Lauren's synopsis will be in next week's episode. Um, I didn't want Lauren coming in here with his synopsis and and giving away too much. So I told him just just hold it, just hold your opinions till next week. You know, take a take a week off or whatever you want to do. Uh, study the case, make sure you got all your facts together, and uh, come at me with some good shit. Right. So so that's the plan for this. There are there are a few podcasts out there. One uh, done by I think a Live Eleven, and it is called The Officer's Wife. It's an excellent podcast on this case, um, as well as some YouTube videos and everything I always link, guys, in underneath the description of this episode. Check the sources. You guys can check my sources. But don't do it yet, okay? Don't do it yet. Don't check the sources until next week. But the earlier sources there at the top of the list, you guys can check out on some of those. Um, I recommend to watch that chapter on YouTube. Uh, but again, not yet, unless you just want spoilers and then maybe then you can just hear my retelling of it next week. If that's, if that's your cup of tea, that's fine as well. But either way, guys, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank everyone, um, who supports the show, everyone on Patreon. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash S and U podcast. Number one way to support the show, guys. I really appreciate everyone, um, who makes a monthly donation or however you choose to do Patreon. Um, even if you choose to check in for a little while, pay for a couple months, get caught up on episodes, dip out, whatever it is, I don't. it doesn't really matter. It, supporting the show is supporting the show. Telling your friends, leaving a review, I appreciate that very much, guys, more than you know. Uh, speaking of leaving a review, I want to get on here and give a couple shout-outs to some new reviewers which I'm very excited to have. Um, KT, Ly- KT Lister said, Five stars. Love. I was getting in a rut with my normal true crime podcast. Something about the unsolved cases that drive me crazy and keep me interested. 
This podcast is right up my alley. Awesome. Thank you very much, uh, KT Lister. Also, Windy City Kim said, Brothers from another mother. I've listened to True Crime Guys from the beginning and love Michael's spinoff, which is this show. I could listen to their antics every day. Remind me of my brothers, but they're funnier. Oh, come on. I'm sure your brothers are hilarious. Come on. It's just, just you get so used to people, right? Like you get used to family members and you take them for granted, even though they're, they might really be funny, you know, or they might really be talented, but because you know them because you're their family member and you knew them in diapers or whatever, it's like you, like, oh, they can't be that funny, but they probably are, right? Let's, uh, let's give credit where it's due out here, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe they're not funny. Who cares? Either way, I'm glad that you listened to the show. I appreciate it more than you know. Um, guys, you can find me on social media at S and U podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, I try to stay up to date on those with new releases from the podcast and Patreon content and whatnot. Sometimes I, I don't get social media posts out there, but, uh, you can bet that every Thursday, um, the Patreon, the episodes will be released on Patreon and on Mondays they'll be released, um, every Monday on the free platforms. Um, unless if something comes up out of my control, like last week, uh, last Thursday, I was, I live in the, I live in the South. Okay. I live in the Carolinas and we had a little bit of weather from hurricane Zeta. So it knocked out my my internet, um, for a couple days. So I was unable to, to get it up on time, but I got it up the day after. So, you know, still, still an early release there on Patreon guys. I take that very seriously. I, I really want you guys to be able to enjoy the show four days earlier, so I'm always going to try to do my best with that to try to get that on up on time. Uh, also, merch, truecrimeguys.threadless.com. Check the link underneath the description of this episode. You guys can get uh, Strange and Unexplained merch. You'll see the logo there when you click the link. Uh, there's also three True Crime Guys designs available as well if you guys are True Crime Guys listeners. Um but with those designs, you click those designs, and then there's a, an array of products to choose from, from T-shirts to sweatshirts um, to hoodies, uh, mugs, laptop skins, phone cases, um, masks for COVID, right? When Who knows how long we're going to have to wear masks. You might as well uh, get one that looks cool and is fashionable and expresses something that you're into, right? A strange and unexplained mask. That would look pretty cool. Might get people's attention. A couple conversation starters there. Um, but anyway, to support the show, guys, we appreciate that very much. And you can pretty much find anything you're looking uh, for True Crime Guys Productions at truecrimeguys.com, guys. Or you can always email us at truecrimeguys at gmail.com or sandupodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Like I said, I know this is a shorter episode this week, but we will have a much longer in-depth uh, second parter next week. Just kind of wanted to lay this groundwork to, uh, today and have you guys just yearning for the conclusion, even though most of you are probably going to go look it up. But it is what it is. Either way, we'll talk about it next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger.